Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Hey everybody, Doc Brian here. I just wanted you to take a second here real quick. And I want you to think about something that happened either today or yesterday that just really made you happy, really brought a lot of joy into your life. And then I want you to take just a moment and think about the one thing that happened today or yesterday that just really brought you down, ruined your day, was was very bothersome to you. And I think that if you are honest, for the most part, it's easier for us to remember the bad thing than it is for us to recall the good. There was a study that showed that it takes five positive comments to get rid of one negative comment. So as you go through your day today, I want you to find somebody to compliment. Not only will it make you feel good because you've made their day better, but it may just be that extra one that they need to get rid of the one bad. Remember, your words have power. Your words can change someone's life today. You don't know what hell they've gone through to be where they're at in that moment on that day. And your words could change it all. Hey everybody, Doc Brian here and welcome to Doc Talks. We talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. Today, we're going to talk about addiction, addiction. Now, when we think of addiction, we kind of put uh, all these things into a box of what we think addictions are. And addiction really is, is defined as a biopsychological disorder that is characterized by this compulsive engagement in, in some type of reward despite any adverse consequences. And so there are these things where we look through like classic hallmarks of addiction, which an impaired control over substances or behavior, alcohol, drugs. We, we look at those kind of things. We can even look at marijuana, amphetamine, cocaine, and nicotine, opioid, food addictions, chocolate addictions, video game addictions, gambling addictions, sexual addictions. And so when we look at that, behavioral addictions are the only addictions that are recognized by the DSM-5. And the ICD-10 is gambling addiction. When we look at, at addiction, it's it's often misused when referring to compulsive behaviors or disorders. And so an important distinction, I, I think, between drug addiction and dependence is that drug dependence is a disorder which the drug use results in unpleasant states or withdrawals, which can then lead to further drug use. Addiction is the compulsive use of whatever it may be, that is independent of withdrawal. So an addiction can occur within the absence of dependence. So if you are alcohol dependent, meaning that you have to have more alcohol in order to survive, that is different than being addicted 
to alcohol. So when we look at certain things and the way they work, we have to understand that there are two differences. There is independent and dependent addictions. One thing that we don't always really look at when it comes to addictions is nowadays an addiction to social media, an addiction to Facebook or Instagram or an addiction. We've probably all heard of a, a porn addiction where where someone just uh, insatiably watches just multiple pornographic materials a day to where it begins to interrupt their daily life, their daily living. And so when when we look at addictions, I believe that they're kind of sometimes as a crossover between OCD and addictions, OCD being obsessive compulsion disorder and addiction. So we kind of have to make sure that we're not labeling the two together. Now, obsessive compulsive disorder is a behavioral disorder, much like an addiction, but not always is the addiction related to obsessive compulsive disorder. So when we begin to look at what happens when we are addicted, the term uh, behavioral addiction refers to a compulsive or a compulsion, excuse me, to reach this natural reward. There is preclinical evidence that demonstrates that there are marked increases in the expression through repetitive and excessive exposure to that natural reward. So what happens is we have this behavior that we compulsively do in order to receive the reward. For instance, excessive consumption of of high fat or sugars can produce an addiction because we're looking for that energy or that feeling of of sweetness of of just something that really makes us feel good as opposed to you know just just having a craving for ice cream or a craving for chocolate um, and so we have to understand that craving may not be an addiction unless that craving is constant, that we have to have more, that we are addicted to the feeling that we receive. Now, today on Doc Talks, we're talking all about addiction, but we're going to focus in on addiction to social media, particularly dating apps. So today with me, I have Jason Matthew, and he is a product manager with IBM, but he is also the founder of an app called Lead Me Not. Jason, it's great to have you with me today. Thank you, Brian. It's a, it's an honor and privilege to be here. So just really kind of jumping into your story, you found yourself in a position where you described it as being an addiction to dating websites. That's right. Yep. Can you explain how you came to feel or know that it was an addiction as opposed to just a part of your lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I I started using dating apps after I graduated college. My first job was out in San Francisco and at the time I thought it was and felt it was, hey, I've never dated before. I I never asked any girl out on a date. Yes, I had had crushes and such, but you know, it's more of the let me keep it to myself and dwell on it in some imagination, but moving out and and starting 
um, my professional life and, and career, I was like, all right, it's, it's time to, to do something. And again, at the time, I just felt like it was taking a step forward that I'd never done. And it was just experience. Um, so, you know, the first time I downloaded Tinder uh, and matched up with a girl and went on a date, I was like, okay, that's, that was, that was cool. That was fun. But it also started to stir up uh, this desire for, okay, there's, there's something cool here beyond just the connection, right? It was starting to, to pull at deeper desires, right? Of like, oh, like I could have kissed her. I could have made out. I, I almost had the chance. Let me see where it goes next. So this progressed, right? This progressed and, you know, the first girl became the second, became the fifth, became the 10th. And I really think that I didn't consider it an addiction until about five years in. So 2018 is when I realized like, wow, like I am constantly turning to this as some form of satisfaction and relief beyond just the, I want a date, right? And I, and I want a companion. Long-winded way of saying it took more than a few years uh, for me to start to really understand that this is not just something that's fun to do. It's This is a, a, an addiction. When when you begin to look at addiction, was it more so that you found yourself on dating apps like you were on your phone and all of a sudden you were on Tinder and didn't even realize you were there or other other apps? Or was it that while you were working through the day, you were focused on, hey, I need to check the app to see if I matched with anybody or to scroll through? Was it one of those kind of things? I would say it was both. It was more so the more so the latter of like, man, I'm like unengaged at work. I'm bored, right? And, and by the way, which is like a a really big trigger for me, right? Is is boredom, and you know we can come back to that if necessary. But it was more so like the frequency in which I was turning to it, and I think even beyond that, it was. I'm going to delete this. And then two days later, I need to get back on it. That to me is addictive behavior, right? right? Because what I'm doing now is like this thing is very clearly having power over me, right? Because I'm turning to it. Again, if at the time I couldn't articulate it, I was turning to it to satisfy something beyond like, okay, like this is fruitful or this is, you know, adding some layer of health or, you know, to my life and to the, to the lives of those around me. It, it wasn't those things. Sure. So when, when we look at addiction from, from a psychological standpoint, uh, one of the gold standards is that it is hindering your daily life. In other words, that it gets to a point of where you're reliant on it in order to feel happiness or to feel validated but that it is hindering work or family time or things of that nature that cause a problem. There could possibly be a lot of people today that would say, oh, no, I, that's not an addiction. That's not something that I have a problem with, but have them to delete the app for, you know, 10 minutes and, and they're in DTs over what they feel like they need. As you said, you were using that to fill a void. When we see people 
in these situations, we've kind of got to get to the root of the problem, not treat the symptom, you know, but to really understand what that was that you were trying to fill there, that void. So in, in your experience, did you find what that void was? Yeah, that void was a need for approval. The major insight was, man, I am addicted to seeking approval from those around me, especially women, especially in a physical context, right? Because the reality is I wasn't looking for emotional connection. Ultimately, I want that and I desire that. But in those contexts, it was when I need some level of physical sexual gratification and I'm being able to satisfy that by filling this void and the need for approval, right? To feel, to, to feel wanted and known and desired. And I'd go a step further and say that the way I'm wired is to feel a sense of progress, right? In how I'm living and what I'm doing. It's, you know, I'm an Enneagram four wing three, right? I'm, if that makes any sense. And I'm an INFJ and, like these are the things that are like, man, I, I feel desire. Like I'm, I, I believe I'm unique. I have a natural drive and ambition. And if I'm not progressing towards anything, it's like, man, what am I doing? Right? It's like, how, how am I adding any value to the to the world and those around me? In a weird way, I felt a sense of progress. Of, hey, I'm matched up with a girl. I'm talking to her. I'm flirting with her. Okay, she wants to go on a date with me. Progress. She wants to kiss me. Progress. You see? So when I feel depleted, when I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything, that is also what, you know, pursuing these relationships and, and flings was doing as well. Sure. So when you got to the point of where you did receive that, that physical and sexual gratification with an individual, were you then done with that individual and sought someone else? Or did you allow it to go on for a period of time? I was more so done with that individual again in my addiction and you know i'll say it's like at the, now it's not we're not talking about addiction to dating apps we're, we're talking about the addiction to those other things of so what was i of the of the approval of the of the progress sense of accomplishment because i could have had uh, a fling with someone and then two months later i feel you know, sexually charged, right? And it's like, oh, well, like, who can I reach out to, right? Like, who can I call? And, you know, my generation has multiple terms and words to refer to, <laughs> to refer to those interactions. You know, we can look on Urban Dictionary if we want to get creative. It was, it was a more so one and done thing, but depending on the person, depending on kind of the opportunity presented to me, it was like, oh, like, this is someone who I can still reach out to again when I when I desire something more. And I, I've definitely done that. Sure. So when you got to the point of where you did receive that sexual gratification, where you made that person so vulnerable to accept you completely and fully in an intimate way, did you somewhat feel like there was no more that they could validate you? Like that was the end of being able to validate who you were? Yes, because the cruel irony and you know, sad state of affairs of the situation is that women that I would reach out to or pursue for, you know, sexual gratification, I had already made the decision and conclusion that there's no emotional connection here. There's no desire. I'm never going to 
marry this person. I'm never going to want to be with this person. It's, it's purely, I'm attracted to them physically. And it's sad to admit, but it's true. So then once that, uh, we'll use the term one night stand, once that was finished, did you then feel less of a person after you left? Yeah, absolutely. Because after each fling and interaction, it's, I, I felt the sense of emptiness. The funny part is like, I started all this really after coming to understand, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian and walk with the Lord and intentionally, despite having grown up in the church, like these two things happened in parallel. So that, that conviction was not, and sorrow was not a worldly sorrow by any means from that, that I believe it was truly uh, like a godly sorrow of like, man, what have I done? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so moving into this conviction uh, from a religious aspect, then you really had to find what that void was in order to move forward. And ultimately that void was lack of validation as far as for you was lack of validation in Christ. Exactly. And, you know, it took, as I said, it took about five years for me to realize this is an addiction. And that was about 2018 when I moved to Austin, Texas. Yeah. Just like really, really felt convicted and, you know, even broke down with a, a group of guys what was the, the early form of an accountability group? Like, guys, I need help. And the church I was a part of, the Austin Stone, had a recovery ministry that, you know, ultimately was life changing. And I, because I, and I remember distinctly, like, man, I want to find out the why, right? It's like, I've, I'm someone who's driven so much by why, like in everything I do, and especially in my job. Like, I'm very inquisitive. I love to ask questions. And it's always like, why, why, why? And it's like, this was the one thing I wasn't asking why about. It's like, why am I doing this? Like, why? So going through recovery and walking through it with other men and my sponsor, it's like, oh, I get it. I'm getting it now. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. The why, the whys actually don't change fully because, you know, as I shared with you, you know, I was 2022 now. I've been in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a year. Man, the latter part of last year was very hard because I was falling back into past behaviors. So there's part of me that was like, man, I, I, I was past this. I thought that was past this. But then there's this other, ultimately what I realized, like, crap, like the why is still the same. Like what's making me turn to wanting to pursue these women? But there was still, it was still nuanced enough to where it wasn't exactly the same scenarios of what I dealt with from like 2013 to 2018. Sure. And, and we have to understand that relapse is a natural part of recovery. That's not something that, that many would accept. But what does happen in that is that even though we do know the why, then we figure out how to stay away from the why to make sure that every day that we are, are preparing ourselves to not fall into that temptation and to not be overwhelmed in that so that we can continue to move forward and validate that why in ourselves and, and through our spiritual walk that we don't fall into that temptation. One thing that I heard you say at the very beginning was that boredom really pulls you into that. And I'm going to assume that to you, boredom relates not growing, that you're not being productive. And so in that, that you need to be validated by someone else who's Validation is only going to last for a while. 
exactly. Yep. That, that boredom, man, that boredom for me is like, is so powerful. Like you've heard the acronym HALT be HALT, you know, hang, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored. Those other things are true, but the B is so powerful. And I think it's, yeah, it's very closely tied to my personality and what have you. And even this year, like 2022, it's what, January 21st. And the last three weeks, I've just been like super high energy of like, man, there's a lot I want to see happen this year. And I know the Lord can use me in XYZ capacities and da, da, da. If this stops tomorrow, if I just like, if all this energy just completely like plummets, I'm scared. I'm scared because I'm like, oh my God, if my mind isn't running at a certain pace and I feel like I'm doing things at a certain pace, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And so I imagine that you're one of those people that have to have a very tight schedule and everything planned out so that you don't have time really to be bored. Yes and no, because here's my struggle right now. A lot of that is actually true when I think of the eight-hour workday, right? So eight to nine hours. Everything beyond the workday is very, very structured for me, right? It's like I know where I'm going. I know who I'm seeing. I know what I'm doing. The last six months has been challenging. I think it's a combination of like I'm a remote worker now. I don't see my coworkers. I'm completely removed out of the IBM ecosystem. I'm on an island, so to speak. And like it's it's been really, really hard to stay super as engaged as I've been my entire career. Right. And like, don't get me wrong, there were definitely if when I go back to like there were definitely seasons where I felt like, oh man, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Da da da. And like that's made me turn out. Like I didn't realize at the time, but it was like, oh, I was also acting out of boredom. But I'm also in the season where it's like this is probably the most challenging of my eight-year career. And then considering kind of the relapse I had at the end of last year, I don't think it's you know coincidental, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think those things are closely tied. But yes, I when I have a lot of meetings throughout the day, you know, that's my structure. And then it's like I'm not even thinking about it. But then when I have like a one meeting scheduled, it's like, all right, how am I how am I feeling this time? Sure. And so out of this consciousness of addiction and accountability partners and your growth was birthed, Lead Me Not. Right. So tell me a little bit about the app, Lead Me Not. When I was starting to go through recovery at the Austin Stone, it was like very early. So this is probably like mid-18. I was told about accountability software. And I'd heard about, you know, Covenant Eyes. I, I never looked into it. I never used it. I, I never was motivated enough to think about using anything. But now my motivation is like super high, right? 2018. So I download an app and accountable to you. And I started using it on Android. And what I quickly realized was like, man, like this is not fitting my problem. Like in certain ways it can, but in other ways it's not specifically the whole dating app thing. Mm -hmm. And beyond the dating app thing was also like uh, sexting. Mm -hmm. And it was this and it was that. And like I was finding things that were just, you know, I was like, man, is this, is this like Jason, like edge case or is there something better, bigger here, bigger at work? Those apps are more pointed towards accountability for porn and stuff like that. Correct. As to where yours was a need of accountability for dating apps and 
and socials and, and, and sexting and that sort of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I started doing some research. I started going and talking to people and like, as I was having these conversations and as I was even sitting in like open share groups and recovery, I was realizing that there's, there's, there's patterns here, some really telling patterns, right. Of what are the things that are triggering us to go and act out, right? What are we looking to our phones and devices for, right? Uh, how are, you know, accountability software's working today? So I was, I was starting to hear these patterns and I started to think through like, hey, what if there was a way at a minimum where I can leverage this idea of peer support accountability to help me with my struggle with, with dating apps and the, and the like, right, as I shared with you. But then it started to evolve into like, hey, beyond that, what if we were in a world where, man, my phone knows so much about me considering, and just like any of us, right? Like our phones know us really well. And like, man, how can we leverage what we're doing on these things to tell a better story? Like, man, I know Jason, I know what his hangups are. I know what his triggers are. I know where he's going and seeking out for gratification when he's bored, when he's angry, when he's hungry, when he's this, when he's that. And it's like, man, we're, we're generating all this data across all these devices. How do we bring it together to tell again, a bigger and better story to say like, man, I know you holistically and I am going to kind of walk alongside you in your spiritual, mental, emotional journey and well-being to make you a stronger Jason. And, you know, I can't tell that story to the believer without saying, and hey, like ultimately what this is rooted in is the gospel of Jesus. There are a lot of individuals who come to look even for Lead Me Not in the last nine months that we've had data, like that are not coming from a religious or spiritual motivation. But again, you and I both know, like ultimately what we're trying to map and lead folks to is back to Christ. Yeah. So is Lead Me Not available on on any app store or is it just, can you find it anywhere? No, uh, right now, just Google Play. Okay. I have my reasons for that. And <laughs> I've had to explain many times. It's pretty simple. It's like just easier for multiple reasons to shine on, on Google Play. But this year I am focused on how do we bring bring it onto iPhones. Uh, but I'm also conflicted of, well, hey, let's let's make sure we get what we're doing with Android down correctly, right? That like, hey, we, we figured it out for, for Androids and, and now let's, let's, let's tackle iOS. So something I'm still thinking through. Sure. So how effective has this app been for you or some of your users? Yeah, so for our users, um, you know, just to give you an idea, right? We've had, in, in nine months, we've had, you know, more than 14,000 people that found that, that have like actively gone out and looked like, they found Lead Me Not in Google Play, right? Mm -hmm. And of those 14,000, about 10% of them actually installed it. And of that 10%, 90 to 95% created an account. But then of those, you know, 1,400 or so individuals, we retain, we've retained today about like 200 to 300, it fluctuates. So, you know, we obviously have had people that dropped off, but like, these are, you know, real stories of people that are finding freedom. They'll email me, you know, the reviews are there, individuals reaching out and having conversations. And again, I've lost some of those users, again, either for, for ways of like, Maybe they found freedom in 24 hours. I doubt it. 
or there's there's something else that's kind of pushing them away and like that's where just given the stage we're at right now is kind of figuring out hey what is the optimal formula in order to acquire and then retain users throughout a the duration right a true like a healthy duration Technology ultimately is not the answer, but I believe it's a really big part of the answer and can be more than we think it is. Like when from a redact- when we think of redemptive technologies, uh, because lead me not, I was able to leverage a loophole, right? During my relapse, I leveraged a loophole to to download a dating app again, and you know that that led me to you know act out. You know I confessed that to my accountability partners and <clears throat> are in the process of in the process of fixing it. It's taken a while because of just kind of development resource constraint. But as of yesterday, we, we, we got a group of new developers that are now actively working. Right. So what would you say to someone who may be listening today that are kind of on the edge of, is this healthy? Is this an addiction? What would you say to those people? Like really look at, the times in which I turn to X, whatever X is, right? Whether it's your, whether it's Facebook or this or that, like when you, whenever you turn to X, ask yourself, what was I feeling? What was I experiencing? What was true right before I did whatever I did? And document that and write it all down. Write it all down. Every, like do it for the last week or the last, you know, maybe a hundred times <laughs> you turn to X thing and. And look at that and really, t- and, and ask yourself, is there a pattern? Is there a pattern here, right? Now, not to say that everything that triggers us is ultimately an addiction, right? But I think that's the first thing I'd want to do is like, what is true and what, me, and what led me to turn to this? And then why, why am I turning to it? And then how, you know, frequency, what is making me turn to this? Like um, the re- recovery ministry at the Stone, like we have a worksheet that says, here's how you know you're addicted to alcohol. Like very specific and pointed questions exactly for alcohol. And I wish I had that in front of me right now. My you know, ability to retain things I read is, is pretty bad. There are very specific questions you can ask, right? And um, I think it starts really like, hey, when am I doing this? How frequently am I doing it? Like you said, is it impacting and affecting how I'm living uh, my day to day, right? Like is it negative? Is it hurting me? Is it hurting the people around me? And by the way, you can hurt yourself many times and not hurt anyone around you. And it can still be an addiction, right? Absolutely. Because you can be sitting in your house and just drinking yourself to an oblivion and almost not hurting anyone in that immediate vicinity. So uh, I'd, I'd start, I'd start there. And I think that can, those, those questions can be pretty telling once you answer them. Sure. And if you do keep a chart of what is leading to this, make sure to take that to your therapist when you, when you do see a therapist yeah. and they will be grateful uh, for that. Jason, I appreciate you uh, being here with us today on Doc Talks. And, and, you know, I think that we do kind of overlook dating apps, social media, that kind of thing as an addiction when we make our box of what addiction is and and push those things in it. So uh, I'm thankful for your awareness of your of your addiction and your willingness to be used to help others. Absolutely, Doc. Thank you. This is this is great. I love talking to you, and uh, no, appreciate the opportunity. Great, and we'll put all of your information in the in the description of this podcast so our listeners can find you. All right, I've been Doc Brian. You can find all of my social media contacts at the bottom of my website, which is www.thedocbrian.com.
Thank you for listening today. Once again, call into our guest line at any time, 910-777-7239. We'd love to hear from you. I hope that you have a great day and a great rest of your week.